I'm really excited about wrapping up our series today, our Living on Mission series that began with Gordon Fort a couple weeks ago, and then Chad Warren spoke last week. And today I get to wrap things up with Living on Mission, and next Sunday we'll jump right back into the book of Revelation. In the 80s and the 90s, Bantam Books published a series of children's books under the title of Choose Your Own Adventure. And these books were written in such a way that a kid could read the book, and in the first few pages of the book, the hero of the book had to make some choices. And the way the book was written, the reader could actually make decisions on behalf of the hero of the book. And based on the decision that the reader made, you would then be instructed to turn to a certain page based on the decision you wanted the hero to make. And then you turn to that page and you'd read an ending of the book. Had you made a different decision uh, on behalf of the hero of the book, you would have turned to a different page and read a different ending of the book. It was the Choose Your Own Adventure series. Now, I liked that series. I had several books in that series. I enjoyed reading those. Evidently, a lot of other people liked them because they sold over 250 million copies, one of the most popular children's book series in the 80s and the 90s. It was incredibly popular. In fact, it makes me to believe that a lot of people wanted to be a part of choosing your own adventure. I liked finding myself in the middle of a bigger story. I liked having a piece to play in the hero's actions of a story unfolding. And I was certainly not alone in that desire to be a part of a bigger story. Now think of the Bible as a story. A story of hope for all people. Now... One of the greatest things about getting past Thanksgiving is that now it's acceptable to do Christmas. You know, people that decorate their house for Christmas before Thanksgiving, they get scoffed a little bit. But after Thanksgiving, it's fair game. We can talk about, decorate about Christmas. We can be all about Christmas. And so I'm excited about that. And in the spirit of Christmas, I want to encourage you to be reminded of the story of hope for all people. That's what the Bible is. We can see it clearly in the Christmas story unfolding in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 1, verse 33, we have Gabriel coming to Mary to announce the birth of this baby that would be the king and savior of the world. And Gabriel says to Mary in verse 33 that his kingdom will have no end. That is a direct reference to a prophecy over in Daniel chapter 7. And specifically in verse 14, that prophecy in Daniel 7, which is talking about the Messiah whose reign and dominion would be forever, says there that his reign and dominion would be established in such a way that people from every nation, tongue, and tribe would serve him. Gabriel told Mary about a baby who would become king and people from all over the world would serve him. 
that the Bible is a story about hope for all people. Look further down in Luke chapter 1 to verse 79. Verse 79. This is Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah hasn't been able to speak for quite some time because he did not believe. And the angel told him that he would have a son. And here at the time of naming this boy and Zechariah's mouth is loose miraculously now to speak, he utters forth this prophecy. In verse 79, he's talking about Jesus and he says, to sh- this is what Jesus would do, to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He prophesies that Jesus would be the one who would shine light into the darkness. The Bible is a story of hope for all people. All people on the face of the earth are in darkness until they see the light of Jesus Christ. It's a story of hope for all people. Look on in Luke chapter 2. Look down to verse 10. The angels proclaiming to the shepherds about the baby Jesus say to the shepherds, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. The shepherds are told by the angels that Jesus Christ is good news For everyone, the story of the Bible is a story of hope for all people. Drop down to verse 30 through 32. This is where Simeon is holding the baby Jesus. And Simeon, who's been waiting to see the Messiah, proclaims these words while he holds Jesus. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon, holding baby Jesus up, says of Jesus, this is the light that is going to all the world, to the utter ends of the earth. And that was termed by the the, the label Gentile. Simeon said that Jesus was going to be a light to the Gentiles. Simeon was saying, Jesus has the world in his heart. See, the story of the Bible is a story of hope for all people. It's through the entire Bible. It begins that way and it ends that way and it's packed in between All the way through the Bible. You cannot read a book in the Bible and not see this thread of hope for all people. You find it in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. It's incredibly clear when God tells Abraham, I am going to use your family to uniquely bless all the families on the face of the earth. You know how that happens, right? Because from the line of Abraham comes Jesus Christ. And then we we fast forward all the way to the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. 
we are told that Jesus purchased with his blood people from every tribe, nation, tongue, everywhere. All through the Bible is the story of hope for all people. Do you know what the Bible is? The Bible is the bigger story. This is the story into which each of us are invited to be a part of a bigger adventure, to be a part of what the hero, the King of Kings is doing. Jesus Christ is seeking to be hope for all people to the ends of the earth, and he's invited each one of us into this bigger story. And today marks an opportunity for each of us to make a choice. Let me tell you a little bit about how I got caught up in this bigger story. I grew up in a church in Amarillo, Texas, by the name of Paramount Baptist Church. And one of the things that was characteristic of this church while I grew up was a number of people, a really uncharacteristically large number of people, surrendering their lives to go into ministry and missions. And they actually have in their main hallway right outside the worship center all these pictures of people that have decided, I want to follow the Lord in ministry and or missions. And that's the environment I grew up in, this church that was facilitating and encouraging people to respond to God's call on their life, to follow him anywhere and to do anything. That was how I was raised. And I got to see people coming up to the front at the end of services saying, I've surrendered to a call of ministry. I've surrendered to be a missionary. And I watched this unfold in front of me throughout my, throughout my elementary years and then into my junior high years. And when I was I was in junior high, I began to wonder, is God calling me? And I began to even think maybe he is calling me to ministry. I knew for sure he was not calling me to be a missionary. That much I knew. But I began to think maybe he was calling me into ministry. So I grew up in that kind of experience, and then I left uh, to go to college. And when I went into college, I had experiences in ministry opportunities. I had experience to do some short-term mission trips. And those were formative in, in the sense of how God was working in my life. And then in my freshman year, at the middle of my freshman year, God made it very clear. I was in a church service much like this one. And God, during that service, made it very clear to me personally, I want you to follow me and become a pastor. So I walked down the aisle and I shared with the pastor. I said, I think God's calling me to be a pastor someday. And I surrendered to God's call on my life to be a pastor. But he was not calling me to be a missionary. That much I knew. Then as I approached the end of my college years, I met a certain young lady. Now, let me tell you about how I met her. I heard about her long before I met her. Her reputation preceded her. 
Several of my friends were friends with her and her friends, and so I would hear my friends talk about her and her friends. And the more I heard my friends talk about her, I thought, she sounds worth meeting. And they talked about her in ways that were very interesting and intriguing to me. They talked about her and her love for the Lord. They talked about her and her love for missions in the world. They even said to me, she she thinks she might even be called to be a missionary. She loves missions. She loves the Lord. She is fun to be around. And I heard all these things and I thought, I need to meet this young lady. And so my roommate and I, his name was Scott. Scott and I had a birthday the same week and we decided that we would invite a couple of of girls to go out to dinner with us and have a fun evening celebrating our birthdays. Isn't that creative? That's what we did. And so Scott asked me, who are you going to ask? And I said, I'm going to ask Lindley. He's like, are you serious? You've never even met her. I was like, I don't care. The way y'all talk about her, I think I should meet her. I got nothing to lose. The worst thing that he had to me is she can say no, but I'm going to call her. And he's like, there's no way you're calling her. Yeah, I'm going to call her. Watch me. And I walked in, picked up the phone. You know, you had to pick up the phone and <laughs> stuck to a cord in the wall and make a phone call. It's crazy. You had to do that. You know that. And I called Lindley and I said, hey, this is Kevin. I'm Scott's roommate. I know we've never met. This might sound a little unusual, but um, we, we would like to go out for our birthdays and have a couple of companions, have fun with, hang out, play some games, go eat together. Would you like to be my date? Now, I tried to put on all the smooth charm I possibly could on the phone. I tried to be as crafty and smooth and, you know, attractive as I can through a phone call. And she said, yes. And I was like, yeah, all right. I said, great, I'll call you in a couple days, tell you the plans. And I hung up and I walked into my roommate's room and I said, she said, yes. What are you going to say about that? Little did I know that the reason Lindley said yes is because she had a crush on my roommate. (laughs) It's taken me a long time to recover from that. (laughs) But God has a bigger story. And I happen to be a part of that one when it comes to Lindley. And we fell in love. And what I fell in love with was her heart for the Lord and her heart for the world. I had a heart for ministry. I had a heart for the Lord. I wanted to help other people follow Christ. But the only part of the world I thought about was the part in which I was living. I didn't think about the world until I met Lindley. And she helped me begin to think about the world because her heart beat for the world. And looking back 25 years later, I see how God brought together two people, one whose heart beat for the Lord and for his church to be a pastor, and one whose heart beat for the Lord and the world. 
And God's done something really remarkable in bringing us together. He's changed both of our hearts through the years. He's helped us to see this bigger story of the scripture like never before. To see and understand that when we read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. Let people in the world see how you live so that they might glorify God. When I read Matthew chapter 28, you're going to make disciples in all nations. When I read God's word saying to me, you need to go and be a part of reconciliation to the world because 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 says that Christ is reconciling the world to himself. That God was using the ministry of Christ to bring about reconciliation in the world. Not just where I live, but hope for all people. The word of God began to saturate and bring forth fruit in my own life through all of these experiences so that now I recognized that God was calling me to be a part of a bigger story of living on mission for the sake of the world, that the world might see Christ, that the hope of Christ might reach all peoples and I realized for the first time in my life that it wasn't because I was a pastor simply because I met Christ and the day I met Christ I received the commission to go to the world here's here's what happened I my first post was serving with college students and I was a college minister, and for one of my first responsibilities was to enable and equip college students to go all over the world in a short-term experience like the summer or the fall and the spring and then come back to their, their campus. And so I was a part of placing students to serve in missions all over the world. And then those students would come back to our campus, and here's what I noticed every single time they came back. They lived differently, right where they were. They, they went to another part of the world, and they helped another part of the world know Jesus. And they realized that where they lived was a part of the world that needed Jesus. And they lived differently. I also got to see some of those students who came back and lived differently say, I want to go and live somewhere else like I live here. I don't want to just live here where I'm living differently. I want to go and live somewhere else for the foreseeable future and live differently there because the story of the Bible is a story of hope for all people. And I got to see people start going. And I recognized I need to have, because this is the heart of Christ, I need to have a heart to go to the world. Because the world is in the crosshairs of the cross. The rest of your life when you see the cross 
what I hope you'll see, whether you like hunting or not, what I hope you'll see is crosshairs. And you'll recognize that when you look at the cross, what you're looking at is a scope that has in its sight the world that does not yet know Jesus Christ. The cross is crosshairs focused in on the world. And we are invited to be a part of what God is doing all over the world. But we're never going to be a part of it unless we personally understand that God has called us to go. We ought to be a people who are planning to go, willing to stay, whose staying is saturated with aspects of going. We ought to be a people who are planning to go, who are willing to stay, And while we stay, our staying where we live is saturated with aspects of going. That's what living on mission means. I'm ready to go. I am planning to go. And I want my staying where I am to be characterized by going to the people around whom I live. Those things begin to be stirred up in our hearts and we begin to ask the Lord, Lord, we're planning to go, we're ready to go, we're willing to go, but we sense that you're calling us to stay where you have sent us. And so while we stayed, we wanted our lives to be saturated with aspects of going, telling others about Christ, engaging others for the sake of the gospel, helping others understand that God is concerned about the world. And he wants the hope of Christ to reach the ends of the earth through his church. And so we were praying, God, we're ready to go. We see all these others going. We're ready to go. And so the Lord saw fit in the year 2000 to send us. And he sent our family to the remote parts of the world called Abilene, Texas. I remember asking the Lord when he made clear to us that we were called to Abilene, Texas. I've been asking him, Lord, we would literally go to the ends of the earth. We are ready. We are planning. We are ready to take up and go. We've planned our lives, ordered our lives in such a way we can leave at a a moment's notice and go anywhere in the world. Why, God, are you calling me to Abilene? What in the world? And the Lord so graciously reminded me through Psalm 19 that the sun and the moon are put in their places and they have no voice, but the entire earth sees the testimony of God the Creator through them. And he just said to me, I can put you anywhere I want you to be and I can touch the world through you. It doesn't matter whether it's Abilene or Timbuktu. You follow me. And so we went but we kept planning to go and we were willing to stay and we wanted to make sure that our staying was saturated with aspects of going and over those years we saw many people go we saw a church come together to want to reach the world for Christ and we were so excited about what God was doing and sending others we lost sight of the planning to go piece. 
until the summer of, Mar- of, of 2014. In the summer of 2014, we went to Thailand and China, and God reignited in Lily and I's heart a plan to go, a willingness to stay, such that our staying would be saturated with aspects of going. And then God said, I'm ready to call you to go. And this time he called us to the remote areas of Georgetown, Texas. (laughs) So here's here's the bargain I made with God. Here's the bargain I made with him. I said, God, I'll go to Georgetown. If you just let me keep reaching the world. Would you grant me the opportunity to mobilize another people to go to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel? And so I came here because Lindley and I have a new people group. It's the people of Williamson County. And we have a new family to live with to reach that people group. And in reaching this people, God will send a ripple from Williamson County to the ends of the earth. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. And that's what it means to live on mission, to plan to go, to be willing to stay and saturate your staying with every aspect of going so that God uses us to send a ripple into the world. Don't you want to be a part of a bigger story? Jesus Christ has invited you into that story to live on mission. And here's how we do it, FBG. We love God. We love people. We help others do the same. Here's what that means. It's very simple. We love God. It means that every day you're going to strive to spend time in God's word. Because this is the story of hope for all people. And if you don't regularly get into this story, And hear the Spirit of God speak to you His revelation. You will be quick to forget that you're living in a bigger story of hope for all people. And you begin to believe that the story you live in is your story in your house, in your hometown, and the world doesn't matter. We have to be a people who create the pattern in our lives of getting in the Word of God and spending time praying so that God's Word through the Spirit and the Scripture causes our lives to be aligned with Him and His purpose. And the cross of Jesus Christ always has the world in its view. Always. The world which includes our neighbor across the street. A world that includes the checker at HEB. The world that includes your teacher in school. A world that includes everyone we're around and those we're not around to the ends of the earth. And we are supposed to be so caught up in that story that we want to live for Christ. But that does not happen if we do not saturate our lives with the word of God. Allowing the Spirit, inviting the Spirit of God to align our hearts and our actions with who He is and what He says. That's what it means to love God. To saturate your life with who He is and what He says and to align your life with Him and to live for His glory. Love God.
Love people. You know what loving people looks like? It's as simple as just trying to make some new friends. Do you know how many people in Georgetown need a friend? When's the last time you made some new friends? Try to make some new friends. And when you make some new friends, serve them with the love of Christ. Ask the Lord, Lord, what can we do to be such a blessing to new people in our lives so that they are absolutely perplexed at why we care about them so much? And then create a lot of conversations. Just have conversations with people and have as your intent in those conversations to move conversations to conversations about Jesus Christ. Because the bigger story you're caught up in is the story of hope for all people and everyone is ready for a conversation about Jesus. Because everyone is already in the bigger story of hope for all people. They just don't all know it. Love people. And then help others do the same. When I think of helping others do the same, I think of three relationships that I need to have in my life. Here they are. I want a relationship with somebody younger in the faith. Where I'm intentionally helping somebody younger in the faith know and follow Christ. Taking advantage of what I have learned many times through my own failures so they might not make the same failures and might follow Christ even more passionately than me. I want to invest intentionally in somebody younger in the faith. I want to have a relationship with some peers who are walking with Christ who are my peers. This is where a small group experience comes in handy in my life because I need to walk with others who are my peers who want to passionately follow Christ. And so that's a part of my helping others know and follow Christ is walking with a group of peers. And then I want to walk with somebody who's older in the faith than me. I want, to, I want to benefit from somebody who's been there, who can encourage me, who can have unique wisdom and, and help me and shape me. And what I've discovered is that many times as I've interacted with somebody older in the faith, they will tell me, you can't imagine how much you're helping me stay fervent in my own walk with Christ. So I've experienced that as I've invested in those younger in the faith. They encourage me. I've been able to walk with my peers, and they've encouraged me, and I've encouraged them. I've been able to walk with somebody older in the faith, and I've been deeply encouraged, and he has often told me how much he is encouraged by me. And all of those three relationships help me to help others know and follow Jesus Christ in a very intentional, simple way. Three relationships. Now, some of you in here may be thinking to yourselves, I'm having a harder and harder time finding somebody who's older in the faith than I am. <laughs> well, God willing, many of us in this room will get to that place where we look around and we say to ourselves, there doesn't seem to be a lot of people around me who are older in the faith anymore. And when we get to that place, we ought to double and triple our efforts towards those younger in the faith. And finish in the bigger story with a blaze of glory. God's invited you in 
What choice are you making? I encourage you to read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is this smaller version of the bigger story of the whole Bible where you see people come to realize the blessing they have in Christ and they begin to realize, hey, this blessing is not meant for us alone, but it's meant for the world. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, its ending is such that you're wondering, what kind of ending is this? It's like it's not really ended because in Acts chapter 28, we are told that the gospel is going to go forth to the Gentiles and they will respond. And it's like we're wondering, well, how's it going to get there? Where's it going to go? Who's going to get it? How are they going to respond? It's like the ending of the book of Acts is not complete so that when we read it right now, we recognize, wait a minute, this is our opportunity to choose our adventure. To take the gospel to the world and see who receives it. We get to write an ending to the book of Acts simply by living on mission. I want you to listen to this prayer. Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth your salvation among all nations. I think that's a fitting prayer for us today. But if we pray this, God bless us. We must realize he's already answered that prayer. He has sent Jesus Christ and we have met him. God bless us so that the rest of the world might know you. He's already blessed us. Now we are part of answering the last part of that prayer. That's living on mission. And that's who we are.